I believe it spawned a new genre of engagement that I plan on using someday, uh, where, where if you and your partner both know that you're going to get engaged and you're probably both carrying around rings, tape yours to an Uno reverse card, and so when they propose to you, you can whip that bitch out and be like, ho, 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 joke's on you. You have to marry me. Yeah. Back at you. Yeah. Excellent. Very, very cute. Wow. You've activated my trap card. Oh, that's even better. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and I'm joined by Red. What's up? I'm drinking tea out of the world's tiniest cup. Fantastic. And joining the uh, the, the impromptu OSPT club today, we are joined by Cyan. Hello. Hi, I'm drinking tea out of the world's normalist cup. Yes. Good. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, we're we're going to have a, a fun little, little, little episode here. Uh, it's is, is Pride Month. Three out of four of the people on this podcast uh, uh, are ace. Uh, <laughs> ace squad. We do ace move in herds. Ace squad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna have a fun time. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't I didn't prep this intro section at all. I do just, you ever like, prep this intro section? <laughs> well, sometimes I have like a vague sense of what I want to talk about. Like, oh wow, how about how about them Obi Wans? But like, I didn't mm. I didn't think that far ahead. So we could talk Obi-Wans? about Obi Wan. How far are you guys in Obi Wan? I'm on episode four of Obi Wan. Still okay, only mind. three, we but uh, we'll, we'll we'll double back to this one after the show's done, and we'll share We've been our notes. Playing Lego Star Wars. We've been playing stuff. a lot more Lego Star Wars. Yeah, the and that, full that's experience. been that's been fun. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're having a very festive, very AC Pride Month, I think, which is a lot of fun. Um, I've been finding this small amounts of purple in my wardrobe to highlight it. <laughs> There's very little; it's mostly black tank tops. Anyway, don't yeah. you usually also introduce Indigo? Uh, I do introduce Indigo sometimes, although. Uh, it's it's like 50-50 whether she'll she'll choose to respond and since I believe that there is pizza in her mouth right this second because <laughs> I do in fact that? see on the call that there's pizza in her mouth on blast like this <laughs> no 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 no, no. Cyan put you on ship. blast Cyan well, set up the sword for me to throw you on <laughs> I thought you were just going to like try to fill space until you like <laughs> then said oh yes and joined by me today is because you could tell she was like chewing so as to not have pizza in her mouth while you introduced. <laughs> as you can see, we here at OSP Function is a well-oiled machine from nearly 10 years of working together and being friends. <laughs> We're super good at everything, and uh, the, this is great. That's the thing with OSP chaos levels, is that two of us together just like go off in a random direction. Three of us, there's a sense of balance to it. Four or more, it's just, it's just wild. It's road trip. <laughs> it's road trip energy. Exactly. Are we there yet? Uh, the there is ancient Greece, and the yet snacks. was the last two weeks ago, and we made videos about uh, <laughs> a myth and a book. Oh. Uh, Red, take it away. <laughs> Quality segue, broski. Yeah, my video was the uh, the Aphrodite affair, which was funny because uh, like you could tell like the the 50 people who jumped on their keyboards to be like, I'm going to have to narrow it down. It's like, yeah, okay, yeah, get, get it out of your system. Okay, anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's a fun one. It's, uh, it's one of them classic myths that a few people were surprised I hadn't already made a video on uh, because I had a tendency to sort of skip over the ones that I thought were too obvious and too universally known before I realized that most people don't actually know vignettes from Greek mythology to that degree of um, complexity. Anyway, so, yeah, it was a, it was a fun little little adventure, you know, pretty much everybody nowadays knows, oh yeah, Aphrodite's married to Festus, 
but she's got a steamy side romance with Aries and this very classic like love triangle hot nonsense and all that jazz. Speaking of Pride Month, uh, but it was fun to uh, discuss, you know, the actual intricacies of how the myth is laid out in the Odyssey. Um, and I didn't really focus on it too much, but in the Odyssey and the Iliad, like, you know, as far as we can tell, they're both by Homer, but uh, he's not exactly one for keeping his canon straight between them books. <laughs> and uh, were I a, a less experienced YouTuber in the Greek myth zone, I might have been frustrated by this, but instead I just think it's very funny that uh, Homer's own stories don't even keep <laughs> their own uh, plots straight, because as mentioned in the Iliad, Hephaestus has a wife, and it's not Aphrodite, uh, and Aphrodite has no husband, and is just banging Ares on the side, like. Who, and, who uh, is Hephaestus's wife in the Iliad? Uh, ca- uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. It's got like a ch at the beginning, but I, it's Charis. She's one of the charities. Yes. Okay. Um, of the Wild. Like, yeah, Never of heard the beautiful of her. headdressers. Yeah, she's not important. She's just like a minor goddess, but she is Hephaestus's uh, wife. I think she uh, she's present when they're dealing with the forging of Achilles' armor, because uh, that's, in, yeah. that's in his kick-ass volcano lair. Of course she's hanging out. Uh, but then in the uh, in the Odyssey, this is, a, this is a story that's told at, like, a party uh, by a bard who's like, oh, this is a story about the gods. So it doesn't exactly diegetically happen in-universe, but it's retold in the canon. And it's funny, because to me, the implication at the end is that uh, Hephaestus and Aphrodite, like, do maybe split up. <laughs> uh, but nobody after Homer took that interpretation. They were all like, oh, I have to bend over backwards to explain why Hephaestus and Aphrodite are together. It's like, you really don't. You can just say they're amicably divorced or unamicably. It doesn't really matter. It's ancient Greece. Who cares? It's fine. Um, but Lock no, of I'm... the canon goes back to the very beginning and stays consistent throughout the entirety of the yep. of the mythical development. And not to, to jump too far ahead, but the the concept of potentially conflicting stories, even within one written work, Mm. It's not too crazy when we're thinking about the epic cycle because the Iliad is basically seven short epics in a trench coat and the Odyssey is seven different short epics in a trench coat. Mm. And the fact that there's like inconsistencies between those is is not terribly shocking because Homer's taking some stories, throwing them together and it's like, haha, the Iliad and taking some other ones, throwing them together. So the yep. original stories that these, you know, little bits could have come from could have had different different interpretations of the canon, so it's, yeah. it's not actually too crazy. Hey guys, I mean, not do you to like we can get in this library if we all get in this trench coat together. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna heist must the have books. this many words to enter. Yeah. Um, I mean, not to really smoothly transition into the subject of your video like five minutes before we were supposed to. Uh, <laughs> we can but transition that is, back. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we can we can kind of keep it loose, but that is something you discussed in your video about Quintus of Smyrna, which is that. Uh, uh, was it Homer as like Raps, uh, Rapsos or something yeah, like that? Yeah, Rapsoidos uh, yeah. is uh, one of the interpretations of like how the epics came to be is that he was a stitcher of stories. Mm. Um, Oidos, I think, being the word for song and uh, Rapso being the the word for stitch. Um, mm. I, I don't I think I have the forms correct, but um, maybe it's backwards. No, and... no, I think I think I got it right. But anyway, uh, the concept is that. Uh, Wait, what Rhapsos different... is probably song because Rhapsody is a thing in music. Well, I mean, Rhapsode, it's, it's just the, the noun form of the the, the guy. Whereas, like, to rap would, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Eh. But the point is, his his title of, of Rhapsode is different from just a singer, different from just a bard, which is that he's combining stories together rather than just singing the ones that, you know, his teacher taught him or, or that he, you know, heard someone else say at a party. So, um... 
Yeah. I forgot where we were going with this, but the concept <laughs> is that he took small stories and then kind of consolidated them together, possibly for the specific intent of having them being written down. Because it's like, oh, there are these uh, 24 loosely connected stories uh, that sequentially tell this section of the Trojan War at around the nine-year mark when Achilles was going to uh, go sulk in a blanket burrito for, you know, uh, a million years until, uh, for some reason, he decided to go and kill everybody until he died but that doesn't happen in the story so like putting uh, that i was wrong rapsos is to sow it's the name of a nymph that was a sower uh, okay um anyway sorry but, go uh, on. yeah uh so, yeah so the the idea of like he took small stories and and pinched them together to make something that was bigger than the original ones because you can only you know if you try to read the iliad you can only get so far in one sitting so mm. one bard could only tell like one or a couple stories like oh you know Hey, uh, you know, Stefano, sing the one about uh, Agamemnon being a dick and making Achilles go in a blanket burrito. And it's like, okay, that's book one of the Iliad. That's like, that's a couple hours. That's an evening. Uh, so the thought of putting them all together with this focus on the rage and eventual forgiveness uh, of Achilles um, culminating in the death of Hector was like the big new development. So, yeah, well, it's interesting. Over several nights, too. Probably, yeah, no, no, yeah. definitely. <laughs> just, All um, one breath, go. Just marathon the rage yeah. of Achilles. Yeah. Well, you know, it's been pretty funny to to point out that, like, oh, there's these inconsistencies, and, yeah, this was an oral tradition. You know, you'd sit down and you'd tell the story. It's like, it's a lot easier to note there are inconsistencies when you can flip back a few pages and be like, hold on, excuse me, sir. Yeah. Uh, and there's a, there's a funny Tolkien anecdote about that, which is the reason why he wrote The Hobbit down in the first place, <laughs> is he was telling them his bedtime stories to his children, and his children would be like, but Dad, the doorknob was silver last time. And he's like, ah, damn brat. And then like goes and writes down his notes, and eventually he's like, this is just going to be easier if I write it down. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's, that's just a funny thing about Homer, is like, of course it's not internally consistent. It was <laughs> centuries of oral tradition compi- uh, compiled in by one guy. Telling really good stories, getting written down by probably a different guy. So. Famously, the boat lists are not consistent from, from oh iteration God. to iteration. No, of course Maybe they're not. some were crushed. Maybe some of them just burned or got... I mean, the, there are a handful of Maybe occasions in the early books where, where after the boats show up, Hector drives the, uh, the Trojans down to the beach ships and sets a few of them on fire, so who knows? <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, it, it's obviously it's, it's the combination of an oral tradition. That's how it works. It's a lot of things coming together. Like, the, the canon of comics... We have vague ideas of how characters are supposed to work based on the things that everybody decided was important enough, but there's all kinds of stuff that one author really likes that another author is like, that's ridiculous, of course not, and then over time you develop these stories into, you know, kind of like the platonic idea of what Batman is, Hmm. but everyone's like perfect concept of like the epitome of Batman-ness is never depicted in any one particular instance because it's the combination of like oh you know I really like the vocal performance from uh, <laughs> from God, not um, Kevin Conroy Kevin Conroy yeah I was like Michael Keaton no no uh, the other one <laughs> uh, I really like the one, vocal actually. performance from from Kevin Conroy and I really like the storylines that they do uh, in you know the Batman 2022 and I like this about this and you know so you you everyone has their own thing but you just didn't want to say Batterson <laughs> <laughs> well I was looking Miss <laughs> Bat Pattinson Pattinson <laughs> I'm getting lost on all kinds of tangents here. Yeah, a little bit. It's all good, though. Uh, it was um, it was a fun little video about a uh, fun little vignette in Greek mythology that everyone post that had to bend over backwards to internally justify because it don't make sense, which is pretty hilarious. 
Um, and one thing I do like about that is that there are a lot of explanations that actually make it kind of sweet. Like I've seen people be like, well, maybe, you know, maybe Aphrodite admires Hephaestus because he sees beneath the surface or maybe Hephaestus like admires her for something other than her beauty. None of that is corroborated in the original text. The ancient <laughs> Greeks had a very dim view of Aphrodite in general. The only reason we think she's cool is because the Romans thought she was the coolest shit in the world. Um, but it is cute, you know, you can, you can come up with all kinds of explanations. This is why I think a lot of ancient Greek mythological romances end up getting reinterpreted by, like, modern writers, because there is genuinely a lot of fun stuff you can do with that. You know, the stories tend to leave a lot to the imagination or to interpretation, or there were just big cultural blind spots, mostly in all the women. <laughs> um, so, you know, a modern writer can do a lot of just fun stuff playing around with that or reimagining it or reinterpreting it. And in something like Aphrodite and Hephaestus, when it's really never really explained what exactly their deal was in any consistent way, you can play around with it a lot. And I've seen a lot of people be like, I think this could be a cute polyamorous relationship. And a lot of people be like, mm, no, no, I don't think this would work at all. And those people hate each other. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it was a, a fun little vid uh, video on my part. But uh, as mentioned, <laughs> your video was sort of structurally related to mine in terms of you know, the broad space of what we were discussing, although the guy specifically is rather different. Yeah, uh, it's a case where, like, we know absolutely fucking nothing about Quintus because all <laughs> we have on him is, like, that one um, quote that I put near the end of, like, his invocation to the muses of, like, yeah, I lived in Smyrna by this river and this hill. Like, that's it. <laughs> that is it. <laughs> we we have a vague sense book. of his time point, but scholars are like, yeah, no, he was definitely living, like, late 200s AD. You can tell because of this, this, and this. Some people are like, there's no way he's before 400 AD. This has clearly got the hallmarks of, like, oh, my God, you guys. So <laughs> it's like, we don't... He's towards the end of the High Imperial period, but beyond that, like, who the fuck? The thing that I think is telling is that the whole point of his work is that it is selfless. He, as an author, doesn't matter, and he makes it abundantly clear that he, as an author, doesn't matter. The whole point was preserving this thing that was so close to being lost forever, and very surely would have been if not for what he did to preserve it. Uh, because, like, all of our, you know, understandings of the latter bits of the Trojan War basically come from the Aeneid and this. Uh, <laughs> so this is a real big thing that, uh, that that would have been completely gone if we didn't if we didn't have it. So it was cool. Um, I, I liked looking at this from a structural perspective, which is really why, like, only a third of the video actually talks about the post-America itself. Mm -hmm. A lot of it's just, like background context and, and stuff like that, which made this maybe a little bit of a drier video. I tried to spice it up with some some snark, but, you know, who knows. Yeah, um, I thought it was fun. It was, uh, it, it was cool. It, I think it was a good, uh, like, three-year belated companion to the original Homer history maker I did, you know, way back when, um, because it, it, it explains how all this nonsense kind of happened. Uh, we think of like, you know, writer gets idea, writes thing, and you know, nowadays, yeah, um, but in the way that stories were done in ancient Greece, it was, a, it was a very different, very different cultural space, and the way that the stories were kind of like repackaged and remixed, you know, time and again, it was, a, it was neat. Yeah. I enjoyed it. The one thing I, I should clarify is that I mentioned that there were eight books in the epic cycle. I only showed seven on screen. The eighth one is the Telegony, which is just Odysseus's death. It's very short. It does not matter. I completely forgot about it. <laughs> when I wrote the script, I'm like, yeah, eight books. And then when I was making like all the visuals, and I'm like, 
And then the last one's the no story. The telegony just doesn't exist. Apparently, I just <laughs> forgot it existed. So someone pointed out, like, you said eight, but there are only seven. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So. And none for telegony. Cool. Bye. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, telegony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So good videos. Uh, we've got some some more stuff in that vein coming up soon, which is very exciting yes. from both Red and yes. I. So we're... Uh, we're doing a we're doing a big summer of uh, of of classics here on OSP. We're we're kind of hitting all on the uh, on the same zone, which is fun. But, yeah, I only uh, just finished the uh, visuals for the thing that's going to be quite relevant to this. It's going to be good. Uh, stay tuned good. in like July. Yeah, July. Yeah, <laughs> maybe the very um, end of July though. But in the meantime, uh, if you just can't get enough of those those wildly <laughs> Olympians, uh, we still have on sale for the next. We're only at sixteen minutes. You got y'all got a pad for some time on this one. Oh really? Yeah. We're so not how about even that Kenobi? 20. Am I right? Oh man. Oh, I thought I thought the time to move on was for like to go to plugs. That was no, to it was to go to, to you. No, that was that oh, was starting God. your section. <laughs> Oh, yeah. we were weaving back and forth very organically, and yeah. I was just getting lost on wild tangents. The flow so was great, but we need at least five more minutes of content for this to justify being the first half of the episode. So I don't care what gotcha. you're talking about. Okay. Well, you gotta do I can something. talk about my thoughts on your video. Yes, Fuck yes. Yeah. yes. Go for it, darling. Begin. <laughs> so actually, I thought it was really interesting watching your video because I've heard a lot about you talk about the post-America, especially back when we were in college. Um, and the funny thing is, I've also heard you say the names of all of those individual stories. Yeah, the, the so lost epics. <laughs> as they were, like, popping up on screen, I'm like, oh, yeah, it would be kind of cool to read, like, this one. Yeah, this it's one, like, I'd love to read one. the Ilya Persis, I'm like, oh, bad, news, like yeah, no, <laughs> bad news, darling. Bad news, that doesn't exist anymore. I'm yeah. like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had the same pro I was looking up stuff about the Nostoy and it's like only five and a half lines remain and I was like, oh, the pain. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I, I thought was the most interesting <laughs> is uh, I didn't realize that when the Library of Alexandria burned down, only like a little bit of it burned down. Like the yeah. way people talk about it, they always talk about it like as this great tragedy. I mean, it still is if we lost a lot of literature in it, but mm -hmm. I didn't realize we didn't lose a lot of it. We didn't lose that much. Uh, yeah. Getting into specific theorizing, um, some speculation of scholars who study more about this and know like the exact layout of the actual old town of Alexandria uh, have suggested that the reason that Caesar's blockade of Alexandria during the big war in like 50, like 1 BC, the, the time when he was banging Cleopatra, <laughs> the start of him banging Cleopatra. Oh yeah, um, yeah as, as one does and, and should if given the opportunity. Um, <laughs> the fire in the dockyards is thought to have spread to an off-site storehouse by the docks because if you've heard the anecdote about all ships coming into Alexandria had to surrender all the manuscripts they had so that the library staff could copy them, mm -hmm. give you the copies, and keep the originals for themselves. So they would have had to have book a theft. storehouse. Yes. Yeah, yeah, book theft, but it's 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 official policy. So yeah. they would have had to have official a storehouse by yeah, the, law, the docks in order to facilitate that. So the thinking is that a lot of Are we the this... baddies? No! <laughs> no, we're copying knowledge and keeping the originals. Um, so the, the thought is that it was this storehouse of like the, the space where a lot of the books were being copied, some of the originals were being held before they were taken back to the main library. It's that part that burns down. So okay. still, still stuff was lost, but... Um, you know, the library was still up and running through 
The Empire, through Christianization, some accounts say that it was still going, even at, at a smaller scale, when uh, the Muslims showed up in 641 AD. Um, so, like, it's it was still around. And the thing of, like, oh, the library burned is an easy way to avoid culpability for the fact that yeah. knowledge gets lost when we stop giving a shit about it. Yeah, so. I was going to say, I, I think the, the library burning makes a very nice dramatic scapegoat, historically speaking, for just the fact that, like, books only last a certain amount of time, even with the best caretaking, the knowledge has to be preserved beyond the limits of the individual manuscript, you know, it, it can't actually survive all that long on its own, um... And the fact is, getting repeatedly stomped by, like, what, five or six different cultures with wildly different perspectives on what information should be preserved is not a good way <laughs> to, like, get all of your stuff filtered through to the modern day. Yeah. So, like, the burning of the library is, I mean, I guess metaphorically speaking, it was a very slow burn <laughs> that yeah, did indeed successfully, yeah, successfully destroyed the entire library. Yeah. The slow burn of oxidation, <laughs> which is really all that fire is, just faster yeah. and flashier. And yeah, and like I said in the Sappho video, like one of the big, or I also mentioned here, like her being written in a different dialect of Greek that just kind of didn't survive the mass adoption of, of Koine in the like Hellenistic era, like that alone, like not even different cultures coming in, but like, yeah, we speak a different dialect of Greek now. We kind of like can't read this and the poetry doesn't really work when you translate it. But sorry, darling, you were going to say. I was just going to say, I mean, like even modern day, you think nowadays with everything being digitized, it would be really easy. But mm -hmm. for my job, I have to find a lot of papers and trying to find anything written pre like 1990 and even some stuff yeah. then is mm. almost impossible <laughs> yep yep people yeah. will be and like we're... referencing this and i'll be like but where is it where and while is it <laughs> while yeah. we're on the subject we all make digital media that is very very bound to a specific range of technologies yep. that can be carried forward into the future we can you know people like digitized vhs tapes onto dvds and then they uploaded those onto the you know online and stuff like that but like you know, this is the glassiest of glass houses for us to be throwing <laughs> stones about long-term knowledge preservation technology. <laughs> yeah. I've seen, like, an entire generation of internet goers have existential crises for the last few weeks about TF2 kind of going offline. And it's oh, like, yeah, yeah, man, stuff like that needs maintenance on the order of, like, months, not even years and we're like, oh, how dare they let this library of knowledge slowly fade into obscurity. You know what? I should tweet about that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so all that fun stuff. Uh, a lot of uh, good, good, good discussions about both stories that managed to survive remarkably unscathed and stories that slowly and painfully vanished into obscurity for us to be very sad about now. Yeah. Um, but the common but, thread is that there's a, a kind of constant participation in and renewing of these stories, because if, if all we had was just, you know, Homer says an Iliad, Homer says an Odyssey, we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have much to go on. It's the fact that the culture found this worthwhile enough to pursue and, and keep, you know, and keep in the popular conscience and, and rework and, and reimagine and recontextualize that it sticks around. So, uh, yeah. yeah, if if you like a story, talk about it. Keep it alive. <laughs> yes, yes. Participate in the grand renewal through the generations. But also we have pins. Uh, you may have heard earlier. Um, yeah, the uh, the Aphrodite and Hephaestus pins got released uh, for to, to round out the Olympic pantheon. Um, 
we got Hades and Persephone out before these guys, and those two aren't technically Olympians at all. So no. priorities, Kithonics, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Add but, them to your pin board. Yeah, yes, yeah. definitely. And if you missed any of the previous ones, I think we're gonna we're, we're gonna we got, have them. We're gonna have them back uh, in the fall. Every year yeah. we do a big Black Friday restock, and yep. last year we learned our lessons. So we're gonna try to have everybody for uh, for this year's yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, fall restock. So so that'll be fun. Um, if uh, you missed them, uh, there will be another chance. But if you're listening to this podcast now and you got the chance to uh, to get the uh, the uh, Aphrodite and Hephaestus, uh, mm-hmm. go for it. Go, go yes. get them pins. Here's a fun thought about preservation. Does it mm-hmm. scare you to think that our pins archaeologically will outlive our videos? I'm honestly pretty pleased about that. I, <laughs> and also they're like scattered around the world. Like the fact that my art may very well physically outlive me at this point, like buried in some like some fossilized cork board to be unearthed 500 years ago. Like, oh, look, little like... Uh, it's clearly some form of divine ritual. <laughs> See, they're a matching set. Good. This person I'm, collects yeah. 7,000 of them. <laughs> <laughs> I am genuinely very happy that something as sturdy as enamel on steel is now in the purview of art I've technically made. Yeah. Because everything else I do is digital. <laughs> Participate in the grand renewal. Buy some pins. <laughs> yeah. Also, um, a couple of holidays coming up. Uh, last call for Father's Day if you didn't get a gift. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and also on the same day uh, will be uh, Juneteenth uh, on Sunday and then observed as a holiday on Monday. So for those of you who are new to the fact that Juneteenth uh, exists, uh, our, our newest American federal holiday, um, it's, uh, it's a really cool thing. Uh, it is celebrating basically the moment where the furthest reaches of slavery was abolished in the U.S. Uh, in a small town in the edge of Texas. So mm-hmm. it's a really cool piece of American history. Uh, and to celebrate the day, uh, do some reading. Learn up. It's, it's a good <laughs> holiday. It's, it's important to, to celebrate. Yeah. Good job, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aside from that mild train wreck in the middle, I think we really pulled that one together. <laughs> That's what happens when we have videos that are too close. They just kind of like blend a little bit. Well, we'll have one of those in, in, in a few weeks. Stay tuned for yes. Will it yes. blend? It will blend, yeah. Um, so if that's all we've got for for this uh, topsy-turvy, wildly twists and turns line one of the Odyssey uh, first half of the podcast, we'll uh, jump on over to the Q&A portion. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question featured first on a future episode. This question comes from Big Chunk Thumper to Blue. Congratulations. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Please tell me this person's profile picture is just of a gargantuan cat. No, no idea. The, I only wrote the down their thumper. name. Oh, is it is it Bugs Bunny Big Chungus? Oh. No, it's Thumper. <laughs> well, now anyway. we gotta look them up. <laughs> Big Chunk Thumper asks, to Blue, congratulations on the wedding, Blue and Cyan. I saw on oh, Twitter you. you went to Quebec for your honeymoon, and I was wondering what your favorite thing you saw or favorite experience there uh, was. Side note, this is crazy, but from the photos, it looks like you visited the town where my mom lives. Since we have Cyan on the podcast, we're going to extend this question to her as well. What was, what did you guys have a good, you guys had a good time on your honeymoon. Did you see anything cool? We did. Oh, I think I posted a picture of, um, of Beaupre, which is the where that big church was. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, my dad was like, so my friend, uh, my childhood friend who like grew up in Quebec, says that there's one really nice church you should go to. Uh, I don't, I don't know anything about that, but he said, I'm <laughs> like, 
all right, uh, I'll take Paul's word for it. Uh, and we went, and it was awesome. Uh, I don't know, darling, what was your favorite part of, uh, of Quebec and Montreal? Um, I mean, well, that was one of them. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, Quebec was beautiful. We did also go to Montreal. Montreal was also really cool, although a little bit under construction when we went. Mont- like, yeah. literally, like, 70% of the stuff we wanted to see was under construction, which is not necessarily Montreal's fault, <laughs> but... How yeah. dare they not clear all city construction for you on your own? Um, <laughs> all I heard from the second half of that trip was like Montreal can uh, Montreal is not living up to the high standards its Montreal sister city was just set under construction. Um, I think my favorite thing in Quebec was probably um, the weather. I love cold mm. weather. Yeah, um, yes. it was just beautiful fall weather. Uh, it was it's a beautiful city, and just being there. In the fall, surrounded by like nice, crisp, cold weather, was yeah. really great. Um, and my favorite thing in Montreal was the duck shop. <laughs> the fucking okay, I this remember duck, the duck shop. shop. <laughs> this duck shop existed to antagonize me, and was the moment I realized <laughs> that I wanted to go home. No, I'm joking. I still had very much fun. Uh, but there's this duck shop that sells like themed rubber ducks, mm. like like politicians, musicians, cartoon characters. They had a whole shelf of British rubber ducks and only one Canadian one. Yeah, yep. so they had like. <laughs> Like this is in Canada. There was like there was no there was no like Canadian themed duck. There was a Mountie duck, but like no Justin True duck. Like no obvious Canada puns. And then we were like seeing like there were two different Spock ducks with different quack puns. (laughs) And when we were leaving, I'm like, we gotta get out of here. We saw this one shelf where I'm like, oh, this is a like a hoplite duck, adorable. Okay, weird. And then I looked at the shelf down, and it was like this is a blue and white patterned grease duck. Wait, what the fuck? And this entire whole shelf was Greek themed rubber ducks. No other country got more than one and Greece had like fucking seven. So I was convinced that the shop existed to antagonize me. Yeah, I Montreal did a full on microaggression. <laughs> I a had rubber a great du- time. <laughs> oh my God. I, like, I felt like I was in either the Truman Show or Saw when I saw that shelf. Um, when you sent me the picture, I couldn't tell if it was like a good thing or a bad thing. No. <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> but, like, I mean, oh, yeah. how flattering. Oh, the, uh, we went to this one really good dim sum place uh, in Montreal. That ruled. Um, uh, Notre Dame de Montreal was completely closed. Uh, which they got sucked. rid of the steps. Uh, yeah, they, the whole thing was scaffolded. And then there was the observatory of, um, of oh, God, uh, San Joseph's uh, observatory, where they, it was like, oh, you can still go to the church, but, like, they're doing some construction. Yeah, there's, like... Uh, like 200 story or 200 step staircase leading up to the church it was gone they they basically dug a moat around this church <laughs> on a hill you could not get there and, oh my gosh so yeah montreal will, will be wonderful when we go back in a few years and all that stuff is done but uh quebec was really special you can just you feel the history dripping off like every surface of that place it's so pretty um even like outside the old town it's lovely to walk around we went up to uh, this one like rotating restaurant on the high floor of a building because I'm just an absolute sucker for those, mm-hmm. uh, and it was lovely. Um, yeah, yeah, Canada Very nice. was great. <laughs> awesome. Well, this next question comes from Activate the Hanukkah Moose to Blue and or Cyan. I'm Ace and have great been dating today. a guy for a few months now. I like him, but I'm not sure if I'm interested in a relationship with him or just like him as a good friend. How did you know you were interested in having a more serious relationship with one another? Well, if you break their fencing sword, <laughs> <laughs> it's love. <laughs> um, 
Um, Honestly, Blue asked me out, uh, and I'm not entirely 100% sure why I decided to be like, yeah, no, let's go for it. But I was like, yeah, you know, I think it would be a great idea. But I, I it was really you that was like, yeah, let's let, let's, let's ask go you on out. a we, date. Yeah, we we didn't knew, know each other super super well. I mean, we were we were, we were acquaintances through fencing, but I mean, that was yeah. Um, in the past. <laughs> I think one of the, the, the things that makes it difficult for us to answer this question is that we we started dating uh, about, like, three years before either of us knew we were ace. <laughs> mm. Well, I, I had a feeling I was ace. Oh, okay. Yeah, because um, I, I came out as ace probably about a year into our relationship. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Um, I had a feeling I was ace at that point. Um, but I wasn't out as ace yet. Gotcha. You didn't get on I, I had, until quite a bit It later. took me like five years. <laughs> it's a little bit harder for men, I feel like, in our society to figure that out than women, generally speaking. But Yeah, yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of like... social pressures. It's not even like, yeah, social pressures, like expectations of how, not even how men are supposed to act, but how men usually act. That's like, well, if I'm not awful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I'd say... In the past, when I have dated people that I was good friends with, it's generally just, like, you want to get to know them better. Um, so I've generally been like, okay, I generally do something like a coffee date mm-hmm. where you go out and you kind of go out with just them and kind of see what the vibe is. And if you're like, mm, yeah, this is more of a friendship vibe, <laughs> like a... Mm-hmm. I like them, but I really don't want to know more about them than just, like, what I would know more about than a friend. Like, you know, maybe a really close friendship, that's one thing. And then if you kind of get the vibe of, yeah, no, this is kind of edging more towards a relationship, then maybe you go and ask, like Blue did, do you want to go on a proper date sometime? That was my wording. Would you like to go on a proper date sometime? <laughs> that was your exact wording. Oh, like, very proper of you. hear the, the, the tiny, like, British accent in the back of my head. <laughs> I go on a proper date sometime. Yeah. Um, Actually, yeah. uh, Blue, I don't know if this is, uh, I know the question was directed at you. I just thought it would be kind of funny to contextualize, because when we first met in high school, like I hadn't figured out I was ace and you certainly hadn't figured out you were ace yet no. um, but like you mentioned the thing about like uh, sometimes it's easier for for like girls to figure it out than guys I think part of that is because a lot of the way that romances are stereotypically structured in our society is that guys pursue and girls are pursued so I was kind of used to being asked out by people and just kind of being like I have no good reason to say no mm-hmm. and I guess that's how this is supposed to work so let's do it uh, and I remember like the first day we met I was like this guy is really cool and I have no feeling that he's at all <laughs> interested in me how novel and just immediate like vibe to vibe communication what a relief <laughs> genuinely I was like huh this is interesting okay yeah cool and then like you know obviously like other guys in our friend group I ended up dating a few of them because it's like hey let's go out and I was like I have no good reason to say no okay but there was something very relaxing about being like that's blue he couldn't give less of a fuck (laughs) every time I think about how we just like synergize the moment we all met without even knowing I just get that Jurassic Park clip where he's like they do move in herds (laughs) (laughs) relevant Uh, excellent uh, this next question comes from Roll the Outro Cronk. To all, what is your ideal midnight snack? 
absolute bangers of names this episode. <laughs> now Man. I feel like I need to go through all of my polled questions for this episode and make sure the names are bangers before I ask them. <laughs> the tiny teacup betrayed me. But uh, oh, what, what are, what are you, what's your ideal midnight snack? This might be mo- mostly for me and Red, because I'm pretty sure that uh, Cyan and Blue don't stay up till the night most nights. I'm an insomniac. <laughs> <laughs> do you snack? Do you yeah. do you midnight snack? Yeah. Well, what's, what's the ideal what's midnight, snack? midnight snack? Sour cream and onion baked lays. Oh, yeah. exquisite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this one goes out to the sleepy girls in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I, I've been a, a, a firm proponent of dark lunch for years now, where you just yes. make a full breakfast, but at midnight. Um, <sighs> I wouldn't call that a snack necessarily, but, you know, it's, uh, it's usually either that or just like whatever's in the fridge. And that that's not a good mm. mindset to be snacking in <laughs> at midnight when when you don't really have the energy to like feed yourself properly, is a bad sign. That's but, dangerous. Mm, yeah, but <laughs> then like you're scavenging. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you like regress thirty thousand years, go full hunter gatherer. Uh, yes. But no, for uh, for me, it's usually you know toast, eggs, maybe a little bit of bacon if I'm feeling fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Indy, my, what about you? Uh, yeah, my problem is, I like popcorn. But you can't make mm. popcorn at midnight when you have roommates. So what I end up doing is trying to somehow will the popcorn to be <laughs> as quiet as possible. And what it ends up doing is waking up my roommate. So my answer uh, for what is my go-to midnight snack is mild shame and also popcorn. <laughs> have you ever considered getting the pre-made It's not popcorn? the same. Here's what it's I do. Really I, Indigo has a <laughs> tired and true popcorn methodology. I make it in the I make it in the pot. I'm, none, none, of this, none of this microwave nonsense. We're doing real here because it's so cheap to get just a bulk amount of kernels. I bought one bag a year ago and I've been working my way through it ever since. You, put, yep. you, you clarify the butter first so you like scoop out all the foamy bits. Yeah. You like yeah, melt yeah. it oh, that's down. That's a level of energy burn. that I don't have for popcorn. It's a process but it the results... And that's what you're going to pop it in. So once you have it clarified, you, you drop your kernels in. You want to just like coat the bottom of the pan, basically, or the pot or whatever you're using. I usually use a pot, but do you. You cover it. You do your little shaky shake like it's a Jiffy Pop. You pop the popcorn. And you can put it in the dis- distribute to bowl. And then I use the um, Trader Joe's everything with the elote seasoning on it. And that rocks it. It's so good. I'm thinking about it now. I just ate. I just demolished two <laughs> slices of leftover pizza and I'm ready for some popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good work, team. That yes. sounds good. I yeah. I'm not usually much of like a midnight snacker, but I I do enjoy uh, like like a nice five year old's milk and cookies. I was gonna yeah. say three Oreos with a glass of milk. Yeah, not Oreos so much anymore, but um, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll In a I'll make myself. Do you want two chocolate chip cookies with a glass of milk? Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. yeah, it depends on what I have, but sometimes I'll make myself a, a nice little sweet treat. Uh, if I have like cookies I've already made, I'll like warm one of those up in the microwave because you know. Fresh baked chocolate chip cookies can't be beat, but they don't stay fresh baked for more than like ten minutes. So after that, you know, my grape is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll I'll get like a little ramkin and I'll put a couple scoops of ice cream in there and ju- then just like load it up with sundae toppings because, you know, why not? Why not? <laughs> it's my city now. Um, <laughs> anyway, yes, I do have a special variant of the midnight snack that is. Oops, Indigo is editing overnight snack that I developed in college, <laughs> uh, and I haven't had it so much anymore. But occasionally, rarely, a couple times a year. Uh, it is an entire tub of Ben and Jerry's ice cream that you buy okay. at a bodega <laughs> moments before you consume it all. Um, you can't eat half of it because then it's not enough the next time you want the Ben and Jerry's. You got to just power through. Oh, this what is I would fascinating do in college. because, oh, sorry, no, Red, you go ahead. <laughs> well, uh, in college, I had one of those shitty little mini fridges with like a freezer shelf mm-hmm, that didn't actually mm-hmm. freeze anything. 
but I was going to school in Chicago, so I could just put the ice cream outside the window, <laughs> and it would be better frozen than yeah. anything I could have stored in a fridge. Mood. Beautiful. You, you tell your Ben and Jerry's. Yeah, so, so my, my Ben and Jerry's is the exact opposite, because I... Um, I would only like to eat a little bit at a time. Like, I'd have a spoon, and I'd take, like, like five or six scoops out the top, and then that was my whole thing. With a normal and, spoon. With a normal spoon. <laughs> and my roommate would look at me as, like, that's it? Like, do you kill for sport? How are you so restrained? <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but when you, you said three Oreos to me earlier, I was already like, that seems like a low amount of Oreos. <laughs> yeah, I always that get is minimum four Oreos. restrained with dessert. <laughs> yeah. Lou, my man, live a little... <laughs> Wait, Every Oreos, time we go to, to a restaurant and they're like, do you want the dessert menu? He'll be like, nah, no. <laughs> are you? Like, who who <laughs> are you? Okay. That's, that's why my roommate is like, what do you do? Like, what hard drugs do you do that takes the edge off wanting dessert so much? Okay, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Sorry. Just quick poll. Who in this chat has ADHD? So, I uh, Indigo, I know you. Okay. I thought, I read a thing about this that okay. apparently, like, a need for sugar is, like, part of the stuff that might be part and parcel with yeah, that sweet, sweet having dopamine. this. Yeah, genuinely. So it's like, you know, the reason why I have a secret second dessert stomach so I can be full for everything else, but I can still down an entire Sunday. It's because that's that gets, that's going straight to the brain, baby. It's powering the engine that is my mind. Okay, um, so <laughs> what I see happening here is that we're developing a four-circle OSP Venn diagram where yeah. on one end we have three-quarters of us are ace. On the uh -huh. other end we have three-quarters of us have ADHD. Yep, we'll yep. just fill out the other two eventually. Yeah, yeah. everyone needs to pick the one thing you, that they aren't and the everyone else you can is. sleep in. In. Yeah. I, I oh, can't sleep yeah. In. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We got two blondes Early and two risers. brunettes. Is that is that anything? Is that anything? <laughs> no. None. Okay. Wait. Who here needs glasses? We got me. Okay. I All don't. Right. But Indigo, not you. Well, technically, no. okay. I don't need them. All right. But you do oh, use. This them. is a project for later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this subreddit we'll, can have a great time. We'll plan this. it out. Uh, but this next yeah. question comes from Sniffy Cobra thirteen to Cyan and Blue. Good what's name. your favorite Good thing name. to cook for each other, and what's your favorite thing that the other has cooked for you? Oh. Since we're talking about food anyway. <laughs> Let's see. I feel like my favorite thing to cook for you... I like to cook a lot of things for you. You like to cook a lot of things. You like to experiment and try, like, new fun stuff. Or, like, if we've done something before, it's like, let, let's see how I can take this up a level. I think <laughs> one of my favorite things to cook for you, because it always, like, seems to really make you happy, is when I make shepherd's pie. Oh, yeah, that's fun. That's really mm -hmm. fun. I don't know. Yeah. What's What's my... What's your favorite thing that I cook for you? I want to know what this is. Um, the the first thing that actually jumped to my mind is the mornings when, uh, if you're the one who's who's over at the the tea cabin and making tea, if you sometimes will go through the effort to make a Thai tea for me, oh, I find on. that very sweet because it's like it's not a lot more effort, but like it's more effort than I ever put in. So it's like, oh, thank you, darling. That's very kind. <laughs> Blew of you. out himself um, as incapable of making Thai iced tea for his beloved wife. I just don't want to go through like taking the rubber bands off the can of sweetened condensed milk, getting an extra. Spoon that I'm just gonna have to throw in the sink two seconds later. <laughs> no, but uh, of, of the meals that you make for me, um, I. Oh, that's that's dinner on the way. Uh, so he's got a text. Um, I really enjoy uh, shepherd's pie is a great one. Um, I really love when you make pizza. It's an obvious choice, but you make a mean pizza, darling. Thank you. Aww. Yeah. We had one for lunch earlier today, in fact. <laughs> it's <laughs> a pizza kind of day. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's frequent. It's a frequent occurrence. Uh, you can you can kind of like uh, plot out the month with like, okay, you know, pizza here, pizza there. Get a two mm -hmm. or three pizzas in a month, and then and then we're set. So you, you can read all about it on in, uh, Science Instagram. On, yeah, Science <laughs> Bakes. You get you get all the good stuff over on yeah. Science Bakes. Smooth um, plug there. 
Uh-huh. It's my job. <laughs> what do I like to make really for you? Spicy. I mean, I don't make a ton of stuff. I I can usually do a pretty good, like, spice up some fish and potatoes and put that in. It's like, it's not complex, but, like, I just I just murder it with spices and it tastes great. <laughs> I don't nice. know. What do you like me to make for you? This is going to sound really lame. Blue can actually cook, like, decently well. Hmm. Um it doesn't necessarily look it from like Instagram because I'm always posting the stuff I make because I feel like it's not nice to post things that other people make on your own Instagram. But like mm-hmm. Blue is actually a pretty decent cook. Um, so when I say I really like when he makes me like spaghetti with red sauce, uh. <laughs> it's just because like when I've had a really long day, that's like my comfort food is mm-hmm. I just want noodles with red sauce and coming home from a really long day at work to just having someone else have made me pasta it's just really really comforting so that's my favorite thing you make for me because I don't have to make it for me (laughs) and it's not because it's hard or complex it's just because you knew that is what I wanted and you made it for me the one thing that I can do to like elevate it beyond again just like murder that motherfucker with spices is um is I try to put a lot of effort into like getting the al dente right so like I I eat a lot of like the dino noodles. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I eat a lot of undercooked pasta to make sure that I'm I'm getting right on the edge of of good al dente. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, love truly is stored in the spaghetti. Uh, so this next question comes from Arnelli three nine four to Blue. If you're comfortable sharing, how did you propose to Cyan, or did she propose to you? I'm a hopeless romantic, and engagement stories just give me bubbly happiness. Happy almost wedding time. This question was from last October. Ooh. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. We're answering it now. Um, so, yeah, uh, the the process of, of proposing to Cyan was complicated. I tried so hard. I tried really hard. It was complicated by a handful of external factors. And Indigo, you were actually, you were party to this. You helped me here. I did. Um, because I was I was chatting with, with Indigo and, and one of the other Greens uh, actually eventually two of the other greens one helped with photography mm-hmm. um uh to try to find out like photography yeah um so it was indigo and two greens who were who were part of this process to try to like to try and <laughs> like figure one. out like strategically what can i do here because like things are starting to close down uh like fancy dinners off the table at this Plus point march 2020 Jesus. yeah <laughs> yeah and it's like we talked about like yeah like let you know like let's let's aim for like engagement in the spring uh of 2020 of, of 2020 mm-hmm. uh you know <laughs> a year and a half after that um so like options were just getting taken off the table day by day by day it was like oh like i can walk with cyan to take her to church and you know like take a lovely walk church closed Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) so eventually uh this was the same week where um what happened was cyan and i moved in together got engaged everything was shutting down yeah uh went into lockdown and then at the end of that week we got cleo uh probably the busiest week of my life in terms of major life changes it felt like you were speed running all the adult milestones yeah yeah so it was like it was a random fucking tuesday like one day into lockdown or no it was the day before it officially happened um tuesday it was tuesday yeah uh but it it was tuesday and it was like hey darling you want to go for a quick loop around the park and she was like yeah she was baking bread it was like well let's i don't want the 
like bread to like like overcook or anything. So I, I had two of the greens like on call in my back pocket uh, to be like, all right, go time, get in position. So uh, we went out to the park. I, I, I had uh, I had the ring. Uh, so we were walking. Um, I, I got down on a knee to propose. Uh, and then and Sign was like, down. I see them. I'm like, what? She's like, green and green. They're behind the tree. Specifically because one of the greens, again, not naming which one, because they're both green, um, decided as he's getting down on one knee to move. Position. So and I looked over. like a Tyrannosaurus Rex in Jurassic Park. Cyan's <laughs> vision is based on movement, so obviously. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, they're over there. And I'm not realizing that he has already gotten down on one. Yeah, because you'd looked away, and in the time you looked away, I had gotten down, so you didn't see me get down. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry, what? So I look, and then they're like, they tried to like sheepishly get back into hiding spots. So I'm like, they're over there. I'm like, uh, I didn't even get to be, like I. And like, then I look away back over. I'm like, oh. Like I, I had been thoroughly knocked off my rhythm, so I like forgot They're what to say next. Rhythm. Yeah. And you got, um, but you got back. In I, I, I got back. I'm like, uh, okay, Cyan, uh, uh, will you marry me? And she was like, yeah. I'm like. <laughs> Cool, and then and I just kind of like further knock him I just kind of like sat there for a second because I'm like, um, and you're like, you put the ring on my finger. I'm like, okay, yeah, cool. I put the ring on your finger. And then to further knock him <laughs> off his rhythm, um, before we had discussed us getting engaged because we we talked about it. Of course. We talk about this stuff. Sorry, I keep hitting my microphone. Um, <laughs> we we talk about this stuff. Um, we had picked out a ring for myself, and because we knew our engagement would be a bit longer, um, we picked out a ring for my for him as well uh and his ring had shown up like two days before and i had thrown it in my purse because he had just moved in and i did not have another place to put it because he was moving in um i grabbed my purse on the way out of the door so after he stood back up i'm like "Mm, so funny story (laughs) i actually have a ring for you as well (laughs) so they want to look at that (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) Um, so we yeah. actually have a fun picture of me being like, actually, yeah, actually, <laughs> Uno reverse card. Uh, yeah, so I got a ring as well, and this was funny because uh, I did not know that the ring had shown up, but uh, Cyan uh, knew that the ring had shown up in my apartment because two months earlier uh, she was at uh, my apartment at the time before I moved in. Uh, I like to open things. And and <laughs> I had been I was opening up my desk drawer to grab like a pen or something completely I just, inconsequential. I like, started picking things up. And she was like, oh, what's this small brown wooden box? And I'm like, oi! And I grabbed it out of her hands like nanoseconds before she opened it. I just like to like pick things up and play with them which is a bad habit. <laughs> and, and after you realize what it happened you're like oops and it was okay it ended up being okay we laughed about it later but it was very funny it was like whoa if i was slightly slower on the draw (laughs) so our engagement was awesome yeah a little bit goofy and pretty awesome yeah i believe it spawned a new genre of engagement that i plan on using someday uh where if you and your partner both know that you're going to get engaged and you're probably both carrying around rings tape yours to an uno reverse card and so when they propose to you you can whip that bitch out and be like Ho ho ho! Jokes on you. You have to marry me. Yeah. Back at you. Yeah. Excellent. Very very cute. Wow. You've um, activated my trap card. Oh, that's even better. Okay, wait. What's the? There's a Yu-Gi-Oh trap. This is not important. I'll think about it later. Uh, <laughs> what is the Yu-Gi-Oh trap card that would best be a, 
what would be best to tape a wing, uh, ring to. There's um, a counter trap card exactly, that you can activate but I'm to negate to one trap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It might just be called counter trap, honestly. Um, this next question comes from Wahit to blue and red. <laughs> How is that spelled? How is that spelled? It's spelled like the word wheat, but the H is the only one that's capitalized, so I'm interpreting as appropriate. <laughs> wheat? Yeah, okay, I got wheat. it. Yep. Oh, that's, uh, good. that's good. Two blue and red. So, blue just came out as ace a while ago. Uh, congrats! <laughs> I'm happy to hear that. But I do have one question. Were there any moments before you figured out that out that made you think um, that there was something afoot or anything that makes more sense now looking back. I'd also ask Red the same thing and uh, Cyan if you're comfortable talking about it as well since we have the three (laughs) aces of OSP here on the pod. Uh, Have a good day. P.S. Thank you, Blue, for helping me realize I'm ace because that is a thing that happened. Good for you. Yay, good good for you, Wahid. <laughs> Wahid. <laughs> hope you're feeling hope you're feeling great about yeah. understanding yourself just a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I I think I've talked about this before, but like genuinely one of the moments where I'm like, uh-uh, oh, no, God. something's up here is when we had Daniel Green on the podcast talking about the sex <laughs> habits of Marvel Cinematic Universe characters. <sighs> uh, and I was like, you know, Something doesn't compute. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were already out at that point. Uh, no, 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 You'd I already been thinking about no. it. Really? I, I, I had only the vaguest concept of, like, something's not... Something doesn't add up here. Oh, and then after yeah. that episode, I'm like, no, this is a thing. Because, <laughs> like, Cyan had been, you know, helping me understand just, like, aceness in general over a period of time. But I didn't yet think, yeah, I'm in there somewhere. I was like, oh, that's interesting. There are a lot of different ways to be ace. Okay, yeah. cool, good to we know. we were exploring Demi at that time. Yeah, because, mm. like, I, I was still, like... But I find people pretty. I can't be... It's like, okay, well, like, what do you want to do about that? Do you want to, like, look at them as if they're, like, you know, beautiful sculptures in a museum? Do you want to listen to their voices? Or do you want to bang them? I'm like, well, not the third one. Yeah, gross. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is real life. (laughs) Yeah. um, so, So genuinely, like, that moment of just, like, pure, like uncomfortability to the point where the only thing I could do was laugh hysterically was like, wait a minute, no, there's, there's something to this. And, and even before I'm like, yeah, like the, you know, like the, the, you know, college dating scene, you know, isn't really for me. Um, like people being pretty frivolous about, you know, going out to parties and stuff. I don't, I don't really feel like that. Like I'm, I'm not a Zeus. Uh, uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not one of these Greek gods is just going around like, well, Hey, uh, so like, yeah, but it's like, well, I mean, I can, can still be, you know, like a heterosexual male and and not be like weird about it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, no, I, I am actually just ace. <laughs> the standard for decency is so low that <laughs> yeah. well, I feel like the narrative about what it is like to be a heterosexual male is so like ridiculously overblown anyway that like everyone kind of already thinks it's a joke. And then the <laughs> fact that some people actually do seriously feel that way sometimes gets lost in the crush of like, but that's ridiculous. That would be so weird if that were true. And then it's like, no, but but like, that is kind of how the world works. It's like, you know, I, I've, I've seen a lot of stuff discussing this where it's like, if the world actually were like that, you know, if everyone actually was Demi, then sex wouldn't sell. You wouldn't have any of those advertisements that mm-hmm. look like that. You wouldn't have anything where the appeal is, look at this beautiful stranger. We're going to imply that you want to bone them. And it's like, that is really a lot of stuff. That stuff wouldn't exist. If the actual norm was just, well, that's a very pretty person. Anyway, on with my day. Like, you know. Um, so it is interesting kind of figuring out that you're ace and sort of feeling like 
not to bring up the Truman Show again, but <laughs> sort of feeling like the whole world makes just a little more sense afterwards because before that, it's 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 kind of like there's like a language barrier between you and the rest of the world, but it's confused because you kind of just assume that people are joking or exaggerating. Yeah. And sometimes they are, which makes things frustrating. <laughs> um, but the difference between never experiencing something and not experiencing something as much as I say I do, two very different concepts. But if you don't really understand the difference, you know, you can be talking past each other, describing completely different experiences and thinking that you're completely on the same page. Um, on my end, uh, pretty much everything made a lot more sense after I figured out I was ace. Uh, as mentioned previously, I uh, kind of was just in the position of like, people ask me out sometimes and uh, well, uh, it would be weird if I just said no to everybody. <laughs> so for a while, I just figured I had really high standards because there were like, you know, there were like fictional characters that I was like, this character's so cool. I really want to like, I don't know, integrate parts of their wardrobe into my personality, which I didn't realize until recently is not what people mean when they say they have a crush. <laughs> nope. <laughs> in terms of things making more sense in hindsight. Um, but, you know, that space of, of, of feeling, you know, attraction or appeal to, towards people is so confused. And all of these words and, and feelings get bundled together under the umbrella of, like, attraction. It's like, okay, well, I'm an artist. I find certain people beautiful. I really want to, to draw them or just look at them. Is that attraction? And people are like, well, you said you find them beautiful, right? Yeah, that's attraction. You want to bone them, right? And it's like, well, let's not get fucking crazy. I don't even know. <laughs> but um, as mentioned... Um, I had a uh, middle school boyfriend for like three years uh, who, uh, <laughs> he's also an artist and he's gay. And it was just very funny when we reconnected after high school being like, yeah, it was wild what, comp what compulsory heterosexuality did to us. Cause we were just like hanging out for like three years. I think we like went on one quote unquote date to like a Halloween party. And then after that we were like, this is weird. And I was like, I gotta, I gotta break this off, you know, I, I don't want to break this poor guy's heart. And he was like, okay. And then that was the end of it. And in hindsight, lots of things about that made more sense. <laughs> but neither of us could figure it out because we were both artists and we both understood aesthetic beauty. So we were just like, yeah, this is probably how this is supposed to feel and work, right? That makes sense, I guess. Um, <laughs> and uh, never trust that feeling, <laughs> especially yeah. if it's making you do things that you find uncomfortable or that you think don't... If, if you ever think... Well, I don't really want to do this, but everyone does it, so this has to be how this feels for everybody. That's not true. You're allowed to just, you know, curate your own experience based on what you actually personally want to do, not just what you're okay with doing. So Yeah, I feel like everyone talks about, like, middle school and high school, like, oh, everyone's confused. Everyone doesn't quite understand what they're going through yet. And then they also talk about, like, attraction, especially sexual attraction, like, you'll understand eventually. So you just kind of assume that you haven't gotten there yet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then it kind of gets later and later and later and later. And suddenly you're in college. Yep. And you haven't gotten there yet. Also, my classmates started getting horny in, like, sixth grade, and I was yeah. like, I guess I'm just a late bloomer. <laughs> yeah, it was weird, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, um, and that happened with me with a lot of things. Um, and, you know, sexual attraction was only one of them, where I was just like, mm, I'll probably catch up eventually. <laughs> Never really happened. Um, nope. But along with many other things, I was very good at kind of, like, masking it. So a lot of yeah. people would ask me out. Um, some of them I said yes to. Some of them I said no to. Um, 
Um, <laughs> so it kind of took me a bit to be like, yeah, ace is a thing. <laughs> I didn't even have a word for it. I grew up in an area mm-hmm. that was a couple different religions, but overall very religious. So yep. first of all, you're already being taught like sex is a thing that some people want, but generally not a thing you're supposed to want until mm. you, later. So it's like, well, great. This is a problem for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing how angry that makes some people. You'd think that would just be perfect, but no, they get really mad that you're not tempted. (laughs) Yeah, for me, I was like, great, not a problem. Go off to college, and I'm like, wow, some people are actually really into this. Like, this is causing problems in their relationships, and this is not a problem for me. And suddenly, ace comes up as a word, a word I hadn't really actually heard before, even though I had existed on the internet. I'm not really in those parts of the internet. Uh, Suddenly, it comes up, and I'm like... Hmm. <laughs> That's. Wait a second. Yeah. The first <laughs> did a little step. more research, and I was like, uh, wait, uh, like, like, like pull up like seven monitors, <laughs> <Yeah>. like <laughs> hold on, charge I'm in the, like. Corkboard with purple board. strings. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do a couple of those little like, how do you know your ace char- tests on the internet? And you're like, Buzzfeed huh. quiz. <laughs> yeah, yep. Buzzfeed quiz here or there, and you're like. Huh. Yeah. And by the time I started dating Blue, uh, it was I started <laughs> realizing that I might uh, be Demi, which you know for a lot of people I think is a start, sort of intro step. Uh, but in this case, uh, for me, I kind of knew it wasn't really the end result. Mm-hmm. I think for me, it was like a label that I was trying out for myself as a maybe because I had dated other people in the past, and for me, it was kind of like a. Well, I don't know if I can fully be ace if I've dated people, which obviously mm. is not the case. Right, but... Yeah. But I, I was very new to this sphere, <laughs> sphere, and I was like, eh, I don't really know how this works. And then uh, about a year later, I started trying on the ace label for myself, and then I kind of started coming out as ace mm-hmm. a little bit after that. Yeah, uh, Cyan, just for the audience at home, because we've thrown the term out a couple times, could you you let them know what demisexual is? Not that people couldn't Google it themselves, because when it comes to (laughs) questions like this, you can always... Do yep. your research, but since we're here anyway, uh, could you just give us For a quick For the people who are stuck in traffic and don't have access to their yes. keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. So, demisexual, um, I'm not exactly a encyclopedia, mm-hmm. but generally it's people who are uh, kind of attracted to people under certain circumstances. Generally, once they get to know someone and form an emotional connection to them, but wouldn't be attracted to someone just off the street. So... Uh, It can be a little bit broader, not quite as broad as uh, other parts of the asexual label, but generally speaking, it's someone who is attracted to someone once they form a strong emotional bond, but wouldn't be attracted to someone just normally. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people, as Red mentioned earlier, think, well, everyone uh, is demisexual, but that's not really the case because... Mm -hmm. You hear of people. If you've being ever like, had a celebrity oh, crush, you're yeah, not a celebrity crush or love at first sight or lust at first sight. Mm-hmm. That's not demisexual, but you know, people who become attracted to someone once they really get to know them, or like you know, when you think of those movies where it's like, oh, I wasn't attracted to them, and then uh, you get to know them over a long, long period of time, and then mm-hmm. 
become really close and then Beauty they become and the beast. attracted to them. Yes. Yeah, um, kind of <laughs> like that. Well, that, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe well, not the best example. But well, <laughs> just, it's the first thing that popped into my head. Yeah, <laughs> something like that, where yeah. uh, once you form that close emotional bond, mm-hmm. then attraction follows versus attraction and then getting to know them. It's it, yeah. Being yeah. Demi, uh, as I understand it, kind of means that the idea of like asking somebody you don't know out on a date is like, why would you ever do that? Like, you don't know the person. It would be weird. And the thing is, of course, that is a, that is a, in my experience, pretty quintessential A's experience. Like, why would you ask out somebody you don't know yet? That you, Who is that person? You don't even know if you're friends yet. But, you know, it's, it's a, this is a very confusing space, but uh, it's kind of all under the umbrella of, well, society told me that I was incomplete without a second person to uh, fuse my soul to or something. Uh, and I don't really think that's accurate, <laughs> um, <laughs> the way they described it. Um, the uh, I, I wanted to say uh, my experience with Ace, is obviously I am the one Ace person here who is not in a relationship and uh, is not sure if that's ever <laughs> going to be something I want. Um, but I, I just remember that uh, one of the frustrations I had that I didn't realize was a frustration was that we are in a very, very uh, allocentric mm-hmm. culture. The idea that you would grow up and live your whole life and never get married is a tragic punchline. It's not yeah. a viable life path that gets presented to you, especially not when you're a little kid. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, oh, you, you look so pretty. All the boys are going to be all over you or, you know, something like that. Or like, oh, have you got a boyfriend yet or something like that? Or just the assumption that you're going to find somebody, you know, some nice guy and you're going to date and marry and have 2.5 children, you know, house of the white picket fence, all that stuff. Uh, and and the idea that, oh, of course you don't want that now. You're a child, but someday you will. It was like. I was being told that someday a switch in my head would flip and I'd stop being the person I was and become somebody who wanted any of those things. And that awareness just didn't feel good. And it's odd to think because I have like, there's people in my family who lived their whole lives and never married and had great lives and careers and were totally happy. And there was just no connection in my head that that was something I could actually choose. It never felt like I had that choice. And for me, figuring out that Ace was a label that clearly fit me was like, the permission I needed to say, ha, you were all wrong, bitches. I'm never doing that shit and you can't make me. So it's like, obviously nobody ever has to. That's the thing. And like ace people can have relationships. Non-ace people can stay single their whole lives and be totally happy. But for me, it was, that was the switch that flipped that gave me permission to stay who I knew I was and actually like embrace that and figure out what that actually meant. Mm. So it was kind of like, everything made sense in hindsight after that so <laughs> p- finding a specific moment doesn't really work because like every time someone was like here's the birds and the bees and i was like that sounds gross and they're like well of course you'd think that but someday sounds it'll messy. sound really fun and i'm like uh-huh. that doesn't sound right and guess what bitches <laughs> i was right it is weird yeah, <laughs> so anyway it's a, it's a wide um, space with a lot of different experiences which makes it so fun that yep. we have um three different experiences on the podcast today it's, it's nice to, yeah, to hear it's from perfect. different perspectives especially during pride month happy pride everybody oh yeah uh, <laughs> We've got time, though, for, I think, one last question before we take it out. Um, Red, as per usual, this is your five-minute warning. Uh, (laughs) Wrong outro. (laughs) This question comes from Sorcerer Supreme. Supreme. Oh, boy. Hmm. Oh, meme? All, if you were a Pokemon trainer, who would be your partner Pokemon and why? Ugh, Pokemon questions. Charizard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
not my favorite Pokemon, like, in terms of, like, the grand scheme of all the Pokemon, but it would be my partner Pokemon. Yeah. Mm. Because if I feel like it's the one I could vibe with for the longest. Like, is this <laughs> the Pokemon I think is the coolest? Maybe, maybe not, but, like, it's the one I would vibe with. Mm. We surreptitiously pull up Pokemon Go because what what I would do, and this is not a thing that, as far as I'm aware, that exists uh, in any Pokemon game uh, because they're all designed kind of similarly. But uh, not that that's bad for people who like it. Power to you. But what I would do is me. I would be a trainer. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It's me. Uh, I would be a trainer who has different evolution specifically tailored to whichever party comp would fuck you. So if you have like a water team, like I'm coming at you with some electric Pokemon, like you're gonna get your shit just kicked a whole in, buddy. Bunch of... Yeah, so it's just like six like, Jolteons in a row. Eevee so, like, with a bunch of stones on deck. Yeah. So essentially what it what it would be is that when you get to my gym, I would just be whatever is most primed to give you a hard time this based on the team comp that you have. So a while back, just like as a fun, I need a drawing challenge to do, I asked our group chat to pick Pokemon type and give me like four Pokemon and I'll draw you as a gym leader. And Blue picked the normal type, so obviously he did have an Eevee. But um, I believe your team comp also included a legendary Pokemon. <laughs> yeah, Reggie Giga. So I was like, normal type legendary. I'm like, I'm going to ruin whoever comes into my gym. <laughs> it was very Also, fun. I should mention that Blue, for my last birthday, just got me all the evolutions as, as socks. Aww. Aww. Um, yeah. And my day-to-day wardrobe, uh, I have to wear compression uh, socks during the day. But in the evenings, my day-to-day like evening wardrobe is just based on what evolution socks I want to wear. <laughs> and there's so many colors. Nice. That is all. Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, the Pokemon fandom wiki is unusably riddled with ads, and I think everybody <laughs> needs to know that this is a disgrace of web development. I just wanted to know what Growlithe's evolution was, because I forgot Arcanine. the name, because I renamed mine Shalotl. Yes, it's Arcanine, I know. <laughs> Wait, why did you name it it's, a, it's an Aztec god of death who's a dog <laughs> anyway uh i think that would be mine probably look i was not a pokemon kid all right i was i was like when i got into that suite of anime like five years late mine was Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> i was yeah. too busy talking to girls all yeah, right so I, was trap card I was both <laughs> yes uh but the point is like i don't know this shit even when i play pokemon go i don't know about type matchups or anything i just know that some of them are cute and some of them are horrifying uh yeah. so i do like arcanine i like how big and and fluffy mm-hmm. it is um yeah that's really all i got yeah. uh, i also have one of those what are those punchy monkey things like the oh, manky, uh, manky and primate primate okay yeah my only primate is called goku so nice. i forgot the nice. name um. <laughs> see if you want to know what nine-year-old cyan would have picked it definitely would have been onyx nice mm, it was solid. always onyx yeah. onyx does not evolve as far as i'm aware no it's he's just the big well, no it, was just, it does become steelix Oh, it does become Steelix, right? I forgot about that. Yeah. No, but it's it's in its but perfect form as Onyx. It's, it's Onyx. like Wooper never turning into Quagsire. Wooper <laughs> is the perfect specimen of evolution. Uh, One yeah. whoopy boy. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite Pokemon is Ampharos and or Flygon, depending on the day. So probably one of those two would be my partner because I love that dumb electric goat who just wiggles his little head. And Flygon's cool. He's the best dragon type. And if you think otherwise, you're wrong. But... Uh, <laughs> um, I do also like Omanites. So floppy. So. <laughs> My yeah. companion in Pokemon Go has been an Omanite for years, named Doctor Squid PhD. Um, um, Smallive actually, from the new game has been a yeah, big contender for say new Smallive. favorite. If Smallive yes. doesn't evolve into a little bottle of olive oil with little leggies, 
the riot. <laughs> okay. What if it has little armies too? It's, no, no, it has to be just turn into, legs, and then it can like no, tilt no, over Indigo, and pour I, out the I olive oil, like, <laughs> like one of those little birds on the what's probably Now, what's probably going to happen is it's going to turn into an olive branch and then an olive tree. Disappointing. Um, Commit Pokemon. I, <laughs> I agree. But here's the thing. I agree. What if it turns into an olive tree that? like floods the field with olive oil not the same it's all about a bottle with little leggies it's very important that those two things go hand in hand if it turns into an olive tree and you have another pokemon that turns into like a saltwater spring (laughs) (laughs) the game is probably based on like spain and the iberian peninsula kind of place so i don't know if we'll quite dip into the greek mythology but for that i mean who knows it's a game that game freak is making i i know nothing about its production other than what i've seen in the trailers that everyone has been sharing around on tiktok but uh, and yeah. when do Pokemon plots ever make sense anyway? God, yeah. these things all get so stupid after a while. Swordsworth <laughs> and Shieldsworth. Okay, oh, yeah. Shieldbird and Swordsworth were the best part of Sword and Shield because they were so, so stupid. That hair! The hair. Say what you will about the new gen They go through games. gallons of hairspray every post. day. <laughs> Sword and Shield was honestly... I like it a lot. Rad. I think like Alola I like and Galar are, are probably two like, of my new favorite new gen games. Yeah. Sorry, I just like how some Pokemon are just like guys, and they're all yeah. fighting type ones. All those fighting if types. If that are just cat dudes. stands just, up, if Sprigatito dudes. stands on two legs, I'm done. <laughs> I can't do it anymore. I'm not strong enough to go through this again. <laughs> uh, oh, but boy. that's we could talk about Pokemon for a while. Um, but we <laughs> could won't. we? Apparently. Could we really? <laughs> well, maybe three out of four of us could. <laughs> oh, Red, that's your exclusionary circle. <laughs> That's the yeah, could talk about Pokemon. Not into Pokemon. Not into Pokemon. <laughs> we, we we did found it, kids. It. We found one. Um yes, thank you guys so much for joining us. Uh Red, if you've managed to uh lose yourself in the, the deep dark dark pokewebs and are ready to emerge, it's time. I Take forgot I had so many scythers. All right. Uh <laughs> thank you all so much for listening to what, five minutes of just uncut Pokemon rambling? <laughs> <laughs> for those it of you in the audience cut. who you don't know there yeah, was a yeah. podcast in here somewhere <laughs> <laughs> uh for those of you in the audience who like me have never heard the siren song of pokemon you have Aww. my sympathies trust me we're all in this together it's okay it's gonna be okay God, we'll be fine <laughs> next, next time someone says favorite pokemon just say eevee and then leave it at that and bah. run they'll be too busy asking which one you mean <laughs> to chase <laughs> Um, Eevee <laughs> is in itself a Pokemon. Well, I mean, yes, yeah, but it's got but... a lot of those like evolutions, right? Yes, That's yes. Like, you got that's it. Yes. You did it. Yeah, <laughs> right. And there's like they add new ones, so they can be like, mm-hmm. it's Eevee because of that one it turns into, and they can be like, which one? Let me pull out the wiki, and then you're already gone. Yeah. So anyway, um, good lord. Uh, okay, uh, right. Pins. Also check out the pins if you missed pins. them. Still up on our crowd shop. They're still there. Should be great. Um, stay tuned for more videos. Friday, as per the usual. Uh, oh, and actually, stay tuned to uh, uh, beginning of July. Uh, Rolling with difficulty comes back Ooh. for season two. Uh, our D and D podcast that we've been doing on the side, which is super fun, not at all deeply scarring for all parties involved. <laughs> yeah. So check that out July first when it starts airing. And if you missed it, listen to the backlog. Mm-hmm. It exists. You've got a couple weeks. You're fine. Um, and I guess that's us covered, right? So until next time, I've been Red. <laughs> I've been Blue, and happy Juneteenth. And Cyan, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Yeah. I've been Cyan. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> this has been an overly sarcastic podcast. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on June 29th with another thrilling episode, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube for more great content. Got a question for the pod? 
head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and our guest Zion's uh, lovely food Instagram can be found in the show notes below.